Hey, it's Ben Campbell here, and welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I have a classic David and Goliath story for you. It's about an Adelaide-based food distribution company that's been in business for over 30 years, but decided to reinvent itself with a new brand and a new product to take on a market dominated by a very large competitor. The Good Crisp Company are now selling their world-first product in over 4,000 stores in the US. There's some great learnings in here for all you entrepreneurs out there, including the question all entrepreneurs ask themselves at some point. Why hasn't anyone else done this? Am I wacky or am I genius? You'll also learn the importance of local connection to your brand when entering new markets and how failure at launch doesn't mean it's time to give up. It's a great story and well worth a listen. Enjoy. Welcome, Matt, to the Self-Made Theory. Thank you. Great to be here at your corporate head office today. Mm -hmm. Thank you for coming. So tell me your elevator pitch for the Good Crisp Company. Yes. Ours is a simple one. We want to disrupt and and innovate innovate the canister chip market here in Australia and, and around the world. Which is a market which is dominated by... Really, a single brand, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the world over. It's it's Pringles, or it's then private label. Basically, they've they've strangled anybody else in the market. So we're here to change that up. So here we are in Adelaide. Yes, <laughs> in your office, yep. and you are taking on the global dominating force of the canister chip market. Yes. <laughs> what possibly possesses somebody to think that's a good idea? Well, I guess for every. For every Goliath, there's a David, maybe, or for, for every sort of something like that, you see the opportunity, and I think that's more and more um, the case. I read a Boston Consulting Group report the other day that $22 billion in North America has moved from big companies to little companies in the, in the food game um, over the last few years. Wow. And so it's a consistent trend that, that's happening that... that um, yeah, people are moving away from from these big faceless corporations to you know other people that have a story or, or more authentic offering, and that's one thing. But I guess providing a product that people want—that's what's really driven what we're doing. We don't see ourselves as hey, let's go up against Pringles for the sake of it. Whilst that is, I suppose, true, the reality is we just thought well, there's an opportunity here. We can make a lot better product than what's available. Been no innovation. We've seen heaps of innovation in the bag chips, in you know vegetable products, and all this stuff. But because of the dominance and the monopoly of of the Pringles and canister chips, they've they've done nothing with it. So yeah, that was the opportunity to get in there and do something. So that that's more what it's about than sort of wanting to to take Pringles on or any of that sort of stuff like that. What a brilliant, right? It's a great great concept. Thank you. Why why is your product different? So what have you set out to do yeah. differently than others are doing in the market? That's the other thing is, yeah, it's, it's, it was important to us that there was a value proposition, there was a difference. It's not a marketing marketing gimmick or something like that. So a product is, you know, everything basically. We, we use more potato, we use all natural ingredients, we're gluten-free, we non-GMO, the products are projects verified non-GMO and we're working on getting the rest verified. So there's all, all that stuff. We're, we're, as you said, Australian company, we're, we're a local company. You know, we're then innovating around new what what are new ingredients? What else can we do on the on the canister chip? What are some new flavors? Some new things like that. So, 
we're we're everything they're not essentially, and that, that's what makes us different, and hopefully makes us um, appealing to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's the backstory? So, yeah. the company's been or well, Good Creek's company's been around for a couple of years. Yes, the Good Creek's company for about uh, two two years now. Our company here, or so the parent company ABC Sales and Marketing, has been around for for over thirty years actually here, here in Adelaide, and we've been. It was a buy and sell business, so we bought product and, and we sold it. We used to do a lot with the independent markets and the food lands and things like that. And I used to look after that business of of buying products and selling them. So a wholesaler, store. exactly. Yep. yep, yep. Going, you know, store to store, food land to food land, selling in and that, and that gave me a good grounding of you know launching you know lots of different products and seeing what worked and what didn't work and all of those things. But as as the retail market got tighter and as Aldi and everyone moved in, you know, us as the middleman essentially just got squeezed and squeezed and squeezed more and more from from the cost side of things and then also from the power of the, the consumer. And we quickly realised that we needed to find an, another way to for survive and, and to grow and last for another 30 years here in Adelaide. So we wanted to become masters of our own destiny essentially to be a brand owner ourselves and that started the journey of of trying to find something that the people would be interested in and that is when I went over to the US four years ago there's a big trade show over there Expo Expo West largest trade show for natural food to have a look for ideas and products and ideally we were thinking we'll bring stuff back to the US and, and as it turned out so new product to sell to in the same business model yeah the same business model um, you know thought maybe there's something we could find and try out and then potentially we could do under our own brand or something like that but really yeah it, it just seeing it, it just dawned on, on us and I mean the, the opportunity that was there and then we spent a lot of time testing the market, going out, sort of finding the answers, all those sort of journey that you have to go through to, as I said, have a viable product and a good value proposition. Every sort of gate we came to, we, we went through and yes, this is still working, this still makes sense, this is still viable until it got to the point where we started selling in, in the US a couple of years ago. So It's yeah. a pretty bold move to move from business model, which has worked in the past, although yeah. margins obviously have been mm-hmm. squeezed, and not just doing small incremental changes to yep. keep that ticking yep. along. Yeah, yeah, but that's what it takes, I guess, isn't it? That it that's, does. that's the reality that that you need big changes. Um, you know, things aren't especially when when you're talking about you know we need to last another thirty years. We need to we need to continue to to support our families to stay in business. Um, you can keep tweaking at the edges, but sometimes it just yeah. It sometimes it requires transformational change. Exactly. Yeah. Was it scary? Were there times where you go, "What the hell are we doing?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, and, and yeah, and for some, I mean, we're used to, in a sense, playing with other people's money. We, we buy their products, we sell it, we get them to invest, and now suddenly it's it's my money. It's it's my dollar that I'm spending mm. on building this brand and doing this, and and that becomes. Yeah, very scary. It's it's pushing the button to order thousands of, of rolls of packaging and, and product and then and then for us we launched in, in America and we have since launched in Australia, but even that as well, sort of the complexity of, of dealing with another country and, and going back to your opening points of is this crazy? Who do we think we are that we can just sort of, you know, no other real canister chip products out there. We are the world's first certified gluten free, non GMO, all natural product. Uh, is is the rest of the world stupid or or uh, are we stupid? Like that was sort of the the thing here, and and you know hopefully <laughs> we're proving that that no, um, you know there was an opportunity. It's an amazing realization, isn't it? Why yeah. hasn't someone done this before? Yeah, have we got it completely wrong? Are yeah. we you know, yeah. in Adelaide the only ones that don't 
yeah. understand that this product's not going to be successful, right? Yeah. Or are we yeah. the only yeah. ones that... I don't uh, have that good a healthy dose of, of <laughs> self-awareness and self-esteem that I think that, you know, I'm the only one that could possibly have thought of this. Obviously, other people thought of it. Why haven't they done it? What What are the reasons? You know, are we naive that we think we can do mm. it? Um, but partly I think it's been when what reassures us is there being the, con- the consumer's response and seeing those sales sort of, you know, week on week continue to grow and, and, and retailers continually ringing us up and asking for our product. I think it's sort of helping us to feel now after a few years, we feel slightly confident that, that we maybe we're onto something. So when thinking about launching a new product, what market testing did you do? Obviously, you knew that there was a yep. big market there, yep. but... How did you go about gauging the consumers yep. as to whether or not the non-GMO, you know, that you know, that type of product was going to be successful? Yeah, no, that's it was a big part. We probably spent two years um, doing that kind of research, and, and in the end, uh, I can tell you this later, but we, we story later, but we, we got it totally wrong in the sense that that when we launched, we we then failed and had to do a quick pivot and and sort of change up. So even though we we spent two years. Doing the research, it wasn't until we're out in market that you sort of get the final validation. But we sort of spent a lot of time, and, and for us, we've been, as I said, mentioned, we've been selling products in America, in Australia, grocery products. We get the basics of it, yeah. but yeah, is it is it the is the American consumer different? There's a lot of nuances in in their grocery business versus us. So it was, you know, trying to find those unknowns, and so. Sometimes we did was we went over to the US and we'd go down and we'd set up appointments with with retailers. So we would say, look, we're not coming to sell you anything. We just want to come. We're from Australia. We want to get your thoughts on our new product and your idea. And, and to their credit, they were really generous with their time and they talked to us about, hey, yep, this is important. Take this off. Have you tried this? You know, we went to trade shows and just put our our product on the table. It got it was just a, a good way of getting. Tens of thousands of people passed over over mm. a weekend to taste our product and, oh, yeah, this tastes good. You know, this is different. Adjust this. So that sort of sampling side of things there. And and then looking at what else was out in the marketplace. So you look around and say, well, everyone seems to have certified gluten-free um, on their on their packaging if they say they're gluten-free. Okay, well, that obviously is then the benchmark of yep. what we need to be to, to, to play in that category. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's how we sort of did that validation. So you said earlier... Feel like you'd failed yep. at the beginning, yep. and yep. you had to pivot. Yep. So, yeah. Can you can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Of course. So we we launched and and we launched under um, a different brand, yes, an original brand, and and we thought this would be alright. It's a, it's a brand that we use here in Australia. It'll be fine. We can we can use that over in, in the US. And so so we launched and and probably um, and not, not in a big way. We had forty Whole Foods stores in in Northern California, and we're just starting to get. To I know get Whole Foods. Yeah, good, beautiful stores, aren't they? It's yeah. the, it's my saving grace when I go to yep. America. Yep, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the last time we were there with my family, we'd plotted them all out on oh, the yeah. GPS, right, in all the all the cities yep. that we were visiting. Yep. Yep. And so we'd land in a city, hit the yep. hit the yep. button, and go to Whole Foods, <laughs> get our dinner because you can yes. get to yep. and yep. Uh, stock up the yep. uh, stock up the apartments. So, no, they yeah. they they are they're amazing. So and we're we're in a, we're in a couple of hundred now. In fact, we're just the other day, uh, someone sends a picture where in one of the in, in Whole Foods we're in the top one hundred products in their whole grocery aisle oh is, is our product. So yeah, it's been a good validator. It's been a good supporter of our brand. But um, so we, we launched in there and we're sort of going out and probably after three months, people just started saying to us, look, we like your idea, we like what you're doing, we like your, your taste and all that, but but your branding just, it just doesn't work, it doesn't speak to us, we can't pronounce it, you know, what does it mean? 
I'd say, oh, you know, we're a big brand in Australia. I'd say, oh, well, come so back what? in, yeah, come back in thirty <laughs> years when you're a big brand in a, in America, and I'll put you in. Um, and probably the turning point for us was uh, Kroger, who's like the fourth largest um, retailer in the world. You know, three thousand stores. I uh, spoke to to one of their head of innovation, and he basically said, look, there's no way I'm going to put this in. Like, I like what you're doing, but under this current packaging, we're not going to put it in. And so we would been out in the market for four, four to five months, and we had to sort of make that decision. Do we persevere with this? Do we just push through or, or do we just scrap everything we've spent the last few years working on? Go, go back to reselling product. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, or do that or, or do we redesign and, and try again? And, and that's what we did and, and we came up with the Good Chris Company brand and, and it was the, the final piece of the puzzle that sort of just clicked and then we went from 40 Whole Foods stores to 12 months later in 4,000 stores across the U.S., it's a really powerful story about mm-hmm. how retail works in terms of the branding, connecting with the experience and what yep. the product is. Yeah, yeah. And and you think you can have everything right, but but it wasn't until, yeah, the consumers sort of like nothing changed about our product, nothing really overly changed too much about our packaging. We, we made it a little bit nicer, and a, but, but maybe 10% more, but, but just that branding and just that people had something then they could believe in. I, I, I get it now, the good crisp, I understand what you're doing, you know, it makes sense and and – um, people were prepared to, to give it a go. Wow. Mm. It's fantastic. It's, yeah. good to, it's good to hear that you didn't just give up. Yeah, well. Which some people some people do, you know, their yeah. first iteration of product, their first yep. you know time to market, and when it doesn't yep. go successful, they just go, you know what, I'll just go back to what I did before. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, and I think maybe we, we were just too far down. Mm. <laughs> we just did, you know, invested too much time and money and, and effort. And, and also as well, to be frank, I mean, people were saying, just, look, we, we do like the product. We, we think you're onto something here, but, you know, there's something missing. You need to mm. fix that. And thankfully, we were able to change and get it right the next time. Mm. So I understand the product development piece. Yep. I understand the why. Why the US as opposed to Australia? Yeah. Given that your business experience was yep. here yep. and selling to retailers here, yep. why then both launch a new product yep. into a new market at yep. the same time? Yeah, I often ask myself the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and look, it's, a, it's fortuitous the way it's worked out. The, the bottom line, to be honest, is it was too hard. To, we couldn't launch in Australia. We tried. But there's there's two retailers here, two big supermarket two, two chains, two big supermarket mm. chains that really give you the volume that you need to sort of to get going. Um, I mean, you, you can, and we we do have other products where you start off in the food lands and, and build it over time. But really, with this kind of product and, and and the MOQs and all of this, we needed to sort of hit some big customers. Mm. Uh, minimum order quantities, correct around mm. packaging, around production, around things like that. Um, well, so there's, there's, for example, two, maybe three retailers here in, in, in the whole of Australia. And then you've got this smaller independent C- correct, supermarket yep, chains. Yep, yep. And then you go to the US, there's 70 Coles and Woolies options. And so, you know, you've just you've got 70 more bites at the apple, really. Um, and so you can you can go and, and inevitably, if your product's right, you'll, you'll get one, you'll be able to prove your concept, take it, you know, store that's got 100 stores, take it to the guy that's got 200 stores, then take it to the guy that's got 300 stores and you can build build from from there. And we were fortunate that, that we had something that was in demand. Mm. Um, so I think that that's one, that, that the retailer environment is a bit more um, and, and acceptable of, of new brands and, and new things more so, unfo- which is disappointing. I think it's one of the great failings of the Australian market at the moment is, is the control that Coles and Woolies have and, and the, how they squash innovation. If you look down, I mean, just in the aisle that we look at, this, the potato chip aisle, there's only 
well, there's numerous brands, but there's only two companies that are pretty much control 90% of that whole aisle. Mm. Thankfully, we've got Foodlands here in Adelaide and we do have a really strong independent market to, to a lot of hard work that's been done here and it's, it's fantastic, but that's, mm. that's unique compared to the rest of Australia. But it, but um, so there's that. But then also as well, the US market is is set up very differently. So around product wise, so there's a really strong natural independent market. So for example, Whole Foods was talking about that, which is a store which is probably the same size as a coal store, but everything they sell in there is natural. And so they they've got a banned list of products. Won't have MSG. Don't have artificial colours. Won't have artificial flavours. So there's a whole supermarket. It's just dedicated to our style of product. And, and here we get maybe half an aisle yeah, yeah, correct, for all correct. of those products. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In a whole supermarket. Exactly. And so in a lot of a lot of those chains, so there's a whole industry that, that won't have Pringles. They won't put Pringles in. It's, uh, it's got MSG. It's got this stuff. We're not having it. So for Whole Foods, for Sprouts, for that, we're the only canister chip in their whole store. So that 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 is another sort of way that we could get in there because we had a point of difference. Mm. Um, and, and then... I mean, to be frank as well, there's whatever it is, 200, 300 million people over in, in the US versus 20 million people here yeah, there, in Australia. There is that. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, the size of the prize is certainly worth, you know, going after. So, But, um, you know, we're, we're glad we're just starting to, to launch here in Australia as well and, and that's where our home is and we want to make it succeed here as well, even though it's a lot harder. But mm. I guess we're using all of the experience in, in the US to try and then crack our way in here. Mm. Yeah. So you decided to launch in the US. Yep. Did you have to set up operations there? Did you spend yeah. most of your time on a plane? Like, how do how do you enter a market yeah. where you're not already established? So for for, for me, it's always when we think is to is to find find people with the local knowledge, and whether that's different country or whether it's different industry or whatever, find the people that that know what they're doing, and then learn from them because that way I've got to learn it anyway. I may as well learn from someone that, that knows. That way I know what I'm learning is relevant and up-to-date and that and, and learn from their experience. So that was our approach when we went into to the US is, is to find stakeholders, find people that knew what they were doing that could, could help us and, and, and we had a great team. You know, Elliot from a company called Intertwine Group over there was a big part of and still work with him today of, of hey, this is, this is the margins people want, this is the route to market, this is how you have to do it. Um, and, and then, yeah, to your point, spending a fair bit of time over there just, just going through the motions, you know, looking up warehouses and, mm. and trial and error. I mean, we're, we're two years in and I think this is my fourth warehouse we're trying this week, you know, of, of getting in there and, and, and trying to find the right people and the right mm. partners. But, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's not easy, but it's, it's definitely doable. So two years later, yep, you're obviously happy you know where you are at this yep. point what's next what's the what's the next iteration of yeah. you know the good chris company whether that be is it that markets yep market location is that product variation it's it's both for us and um so i think i said in my my start my, my pitch at the start that, that we want to disrupt but we also want to innovate so it's one thing to come in and and be the disruptor and destroy and shake things up but for us it's about building as well and so Yes, we've had a product that, that goes up against Pringles and, and that, but but what's next? So we want to, you know, we want to look at um, other other flavors and build a whole, you know, premium category. We've seen it sort of in in the bag chip aisle. Let's bring that into the canister chip. What can we do around flavors? I mean, potato is one thing, but but maybe there's other sort of ingredients that we can put in there. So so grow and innovate. That the category is definitely one. 
Um, we've still got a lot of distribution gaps to, to fill. I mean, here in Australia, obviously, but certainly in the US as well. Um, in terms of getting into the retail, yeah, it's getting to. I mean, we're in I think four thousand stores or something like that. There's there's forty thousand stores in 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 the US alone that we're not in. So four thousand yeah. is a big number. It is a big. It's, did you well, when yeah. you started? Did you think you'd be in four thousand uh, no, stores? <laughs> you, we, we honestly thought we thought. You know, California is – there's more people in California than the whole of Australia. So yep. we thought if we just get California, we'll double our business, it'll it'll be fine, we'll just stick there, you know. So that, that that's all we ever really wanted. But <laughs> <laughs> fortunately, it doesn't work quite that way. Um, yeah, so so no, we never thought we'd sort of be, be here. But, but equally as well, it's a drop in the bucket. The numbers you can reel off over there, you know. So, yeah, we've got a long, long, long way to go. Just, just filling that, I mean – We've opened up a, a Canadian distributor, uh, looking at other areas, maybe the UK as well. So, yeah, lots of lots of different things. But equally at the same time, we're just a small company in, in Adelaide. So, you, you know, you've got to balance cash flow. You've got to balance resources of time and, and staff and, and do all of that. So as much as the world your oyster, um, you know, you've you got to almost pick what not to do more so than what to do at the moment. And so it's just being smart about mm. those things. So privately owned company? Yes. Of which you're part of, part Correct. of that? Yep. Have you ever had that, should we take this further? Should we take yep. this public? Has, have those conversations gone around in your head? Because it obviously does yeah. with a lot of organisations when they start to become successful, particularly overseas. Yeah, and it's been more around um, probably more so what's best for, for the brand and for mm. this opportunity. We don't we don't want to um, have this great product and this great demand and, and, and stuff it up is essential. That's what, we, that's what yeah. I ask myself every day. Is not how do I make this successful, but how do I not stuff this up? And and really, that's that's the phone. So we, we discuss it and we think about it. Maybe not even necessarily public, but do, do we need other investors? Do we need some sort of cash flow in in this? And it's um, at the moment we we want to try and keep it as much as we we can under our control mm. and, and and do it ourselves. But equally. We don't want that to be the downfall to mm. sort of, you know, this whole thing doesn't reach its potential just because we were afraid to take those sort of those risks really. So, mm. um, yeah, we, we, we'll look at everything. I love the desire to be around for another 30 years. Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. And it, it, it is. And it's something you have to actually, we found anyway, we had to address quite quickly within ourselves because it's the food in the US is almost like, um, you know what what tech is like. There's a lot of VC coming in. There's a lot of money sloshing around. Everyone's trying to grow a brand and then sell it off for hundreds of millions of dollars in a few years. So as soon as you sort of talk to people, oh, this is our new product. Within a minute, they're asking, oh, what's your exit strategy? You know, how are you going to spin this off? So which is quite confronting to us because it's not it's not something we're, we're used to or even thought about. You know, in 30 years, we've never had that thought and now suddenly we have to. Th- so quite quickly, you have to work out actually are we building this to sell it off or are we building this to, to have something, a legacy and, and have a brand that we're proud of? And so, um, yeah, we, we made that decision and we're quite comfortable that we're building this for the long term and, yeah. I always wonder when people go into a business or start a business or are building a business with a pure exit strategy yep. in mind. I always wonder the, about the longevity, the quality of product, the quality of experience for customers, whether yep. that's... The, the right thing. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, as I said, I've had to think a fair bit about it. I think, I think experience for customer and quality and that, you, you can get away with it for a little while and, you, and that's mm. fine because people think in five years I'm going to sell it off. But I think what happens is it's the quality of the company. Um, and so and this is an analogy I use is, is um, at the time when we launched, I was, I was doing 
you know, living in quite a rundown house and, and with my wife and I were always thinking, oh, in a few years we'll knock it down and, and rebuild it. And so all of the – I never wanted to spend money on the house because I think, what's the point? It's just going to get knocked down. It's not going to be. So all of the repairs I did only ever lasted, you know, a couple of years or whatever. And it's the same thing. If you're not thinking you're going to be around for the long term, you don't invest in good processes. You don't invest in good things in your business. Mm. And so – it does. It does change the structure and the culture of your your company. It might be, um, you know, you know, you would not not see it obvious, but but under the surface, yeah, I think it, it does change how you run and your mm. mindset of it. I like the analogy. Mm. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it just occurred to me. It was topical <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so, have you are you still running the business purely from Australia? Do you have employees in the US, or are you? Working through your distribution? Um, no, so it's a bit of both. So we, yes, we, we run it here out of Adelaide, um, and then we have we have a full time um, sales manager in in the US, Steve mm-hmm. Wangler, who who runs a really experienced guy over there. So he he's the point man. We have then you know we have consultants that we use as well, or we use social media experts. We you know use people that that can come on sort of on that sort of basis. Just an example, we, we're looking to go to Canada. So we'll appoint a distributor that can buy the whole thing and, and then sell it and grow it from, from there. So, um, yeah, basically everything's still managed from, from here. Mm. So, how did, so how did you come to be on Virgin and Tiger? <laughs> like, how, does, how does that yeah, happen? It's literally the easiest thing I've ever done in my life, <laughs> as often these things are. Like, I just em- So I had a, a friend who knew who the buyer was. So I just sent her an email and said, oh, hey, this is the product we're doing. She said, oh, yeah, we're just doing our new menus. Um, send me through a price and we'll put you in. Like, literally, that was it. And then we're another one, like which is Sprout, which is 400. It's like a Whole Foods over there. 400 stores, beautiful. Our product would fit perfectly. We've been trying for three years to get this product in there and they won't put it in. So I don't understand the logic of it all, but yeah. You know. I say to my wife, it's a numbers game. Yeah, and it is. She's an interior designer. Yeah. And uh, and so she's sort of in the higher end, you know, right. yep. you know design yep. kitchen bathrooms, houses yeah. and yeah. whatever. And, uh, and she goes, you know, she goes, I just... There's no point in having this conversation with you know, this yeah. firm or that builder or yeah. that. Yeah. I said... It, just have yeah, a conversation. Yeah. It costs you nothing exactly. to have a conversation or send her an email, yep, etc. Yep. And she rang, rang me today. She said, "You're not gonna believe what happened." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, isn't it? How yeah, yeah, so like that with Virgin in other time. Jetstar will try and that. Don't know us. Yep. You know, we can show them the sales. Not you never going in sort of thing. So you can't win them all, but the more people you ask, eventually someone's going to say That's yes. Amazing. So have you seen a correlation between? Getting onto the airline yep. uh, and sort of other retail sales. Like, can you can you map? Do you map that sort of sort of stuff, or yeah, is that but, hard to do? But the reality, we're not really anywhere much in Australia yeah. without Coles and Woolworths. Like, we'll, we'll get out to some food land, yep. but that's store by store by store, and take a long time. Yeah. So, and and even then, it's you know, it's two percent of the Australian market. So. Yeah. Without really those big guys, it'll be a two percent of twenty five million people. Yeah, yeah, is not very much. It's it's not, and and it all comes. And the reality as well is limited resources. Yeah. Is okay if I've got a hundred thousand dollars, where am I going to spend it? Yeah, I'm not going to spend it knocking doors down on yeah. independent retailers yeah. Yeah. in Adelaide. In Adelaide, I'll, mm. I'll take it over to the US, and it, it does. It's frustrating because we do want it to work here, and we're trying to, and, and we we will, we'll, we'll get it there, but. It's, That's just the nature of your business. Yeah, like, it's disappointing. Just, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah, thank you. Well, look, I uh, I really thank you for sharing your story. I think it's a 
I think it's a fantastic story. It's a fantastic story for us in South Australia to hear what you're doing around global world domination in the, <laughs> the canister <laughs> chip market. You know, I, don't, I don't mind that reverse David and Goliath, <laughs> that David and Goliath thing. That's a good one. It, it, well, and we're very proud of um, Australia heritage and, and South Australia. Like it's one of the great things that it, it's an asset to our business, to be to be frank, like to go over there and say we're an Australian brand, an yeah. Australian company, and, and that it's well received and it, it's a credit to, to our, you know, to our country and, and we love waving the flag over there quite literally. Um, so, yeah, no, we're very proud. Brilliant. Good stuff. Well, I wish you all the success because I, I've i tried your product now. <laughs> right. I think it's good. good. I like, like good. it. That's, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> might not be great for me because I'm a bit of a chip fan. Yep. So uh, that could uh, I could end up consuming lots of them. But, but, okay. but that'll be good for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully some of our listed, listeners get on board as well. Perfect. Brilliant. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Ciao. What a great story. I really enjoyed talking to Matt. His passion and desire to succeed is fantastic. And I hope if you're thinking about launching a new product, that there's been some great lessons in here for you as well. Don't forget to tell us what you think of the Self-Made Theory podcast. Rate us in iTunes or provide comments in your favorite podcast app or via Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Or send us an email, podcast at theselfmadetheory.com. Until next time, keep innovating, overcoming, and prospering.